Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we discuss every aspect of life through the lens of somatic psychology, nutrition, and self-inquiry. My name is Luis Mojica, and I'm a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety inside themselves so they can better navigate this strange and sensational human experience. Your time to learn begins now. This episode is very special for me because um, Maureen is one of my teachers. She taught me the basics, the foundation of somatic experiencing. And she was, is my IRF teacher. So I wanted to bring her onto the podcast in this unusual way. I don't tend to have episodes where I share someone else's process. You know, I tend to do interviews um, or I'll speak to something in my own words. But in my six-week course, Maureen comes in and does a 90-minute session that teaches the students the principles of IRF, which is interrelationship focusing. And what's so beautiful about IRF is it's like in in inner family system, what is it called? Internal family systems. It's like IFS, but through a somatic lens. And I just think it's fantastic because it's this way to animistically relate to all these different parts in you, sensations, thoughts, behaviors, emotions, compulsions, all of them parts of you, not you. 
So it's this simple language reframe that goes from I'm anxious to something like there's anxiety in me or something in me feels anxious or there's anxiety in my chest. So it helps us not identify with the emotion or sensation, but identify it inside of us and almost personify it and be with it. So I had Maureen come in and do a talk on self-sabotage so we can really learn um, the IRF, the somatic, the compassionate practice of being with the parts of us that seemingly sabotage what other parts of us want. And in this um, beautiful talk, uh, she does a demo with a really uh, talented um, somatic practitioner herself, Victoria Platt. And uh, I just thought it was so beautiful and I thought it would help a lot of you understand IRF, maybe understand a bit of my course, um, and just witness this uh, lovely demo between these two individuals as someone learns how to be with another part of themselves that maybe they didn't know how to be with before. So this entire episode is really just a replay of Maureen's talk that my students got and future students will get who joined the course, as well as a demo to show how IRF works. Any info on Maureen's work is found in these episode details. She teaches IRF to practitioners and to self-healers all throughout the year. So I would click on the link and see if you can sign up if you want to learn it. And um, also, Victoria Platt shows herself to be an excellent diver into her own body. And I find the most incredible practitioners that I've ever come across are the ones that can deep dive into themselves. So you can also find the link to her work in these episode details. I hope this helps you and I hope you enjoy. Uh, welcome to our special session this week with Dr. Maureen Gallagher. Maureen, I first just want to say thank you so much for joining us again. I'm really glad to have you here. Um, today, we're going to be exploring the idea of self-sabotage, particularly through the, the, the lens of interrelationship focusing. But before we get into all that, as always, I first just want to invite everyone to take a moment. Just allow yourself to settle in your space. I know for some of you, you may be rushing from one thing to the next. So take this moment just to be in your space. You may want to just take a moment to notice what's there around you, what's there with you. Something pleasant catches your eye, and then I'll let your gaze rest there for a while. And just notice where you feel that in your body. You also take a moment just to allow yourself to notice where you're sitting. What it is to feel the support of the chair along your back, along your legs, your bottom. Also taking a moment to notice, might the body want to shift in any way? Might it need to readjust? Does it want to lay down? Sit up. Does it want to be on camera or off camera? Does it need anything else in this moment? A sip of water, something to drink, 
just take a moment to check in and notice what it means the space in this moment. As you're checking in with what the body needs, if you'd like, you can also take a moment to notice sensation. Again, this may be the first time today you've had to pause and just see if you can witness without the need to change or fix what the body may be experiencing. Is there a place that might feel tight or a little bit of a bracing? See if you can witness it, observe it, watch it. Notice what other descriptors may come to you, may come to land for you. And also notice, can you feel the opposite? Is there a place that feels different from the bracing or from the tightness? A place in your body that might feel loose, soft, open, or gentle. Again, it might be a part of your body you haven't had a chance to be with yet today. Take a moment and see if you can take a couple of breaths into that part of your body. As you continue to witness yourself, I'll uh, describe a little bit about what we'll be exploring today and orient you to the somewhat structure of today's session. Um, so like I said, today we have Dr. Maureen down here with us. And uh, she is an expert in so many things, a teacher of Louise, a teacher of mine when it comes to, to, to somatics, um, and also um, uh, uh, an, ex an, an expert, uh, an expert in um, in a relationship focusing. And now, if you're not familiar with that term, that's totally fine. Um, it actually dovetails very nicely with some work we're beginning to do this week. But we've actually been talking about throughout the, the entire class, really disidentifying with sensation. That is noticing multiple parts of yourself. So for some of you, you may have even been introduced to this under the name of like parts work. All of this is very similar, um, but uh, Maureen is really going to go into detail about um, interrelationship focusing, noticing different parts of ourselves, and then particularly how that may relate to the idea of, of self-sabotage, which many of you have, have, have had a lot of questions about. So we're going to spend about 30 minutes just hearing from Maureen about the philosophy of interrelationship focusing and how that relates to self-sabotage. And then Maureen has actually been very generous enough to do a demo with us. So at some point, Maureen will prompt you all um, to see who may be interested in doing a demo. And Maureen, just like last time, you can um, prompt them with a particular question and tell them to um, DM me and I will select someone for you. Okay, um, then we'll do a demo. And then after the demo, we'll have space for um, questions and answers so that you can reflect what you've um, experienced here, as well as ask uh, Maureen any questions that may have come up for you. So I do ask um, that you try to reserve questions for that space. Um, I know a lot of things are gonna come up for you as you're listening to, to Maureen, but see if you can just try to be present and then we'll get to the questions after the demo. 
Um, so with that, Maureen, I want to check in to see if there's anything I might have missed or anything you'd like me to presence before you get started. No, that all sounds great. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here, and I will hand it over to you. Thanks, Camille. And thanks for the lovely attunement at the beginning. Really lovely. And hi, everybody. It is great to be here with you all tonight. It's great to see you. I'm seeing some familiar faces, lots of people that I'm meeting for the first time. And I'm just glad to be here with all of you. Um, I'm Maureen Gallagher. And as Camille said, I'm an inner relationship focusing trainer. Some of you in this room I know know me as a somatic experiencing trainer, which I also do. I do quite a lot of work in the body, in somatics. And it has been a profound experience for me, which I love sharing with all of you. Luis and I were talking and the topic that we chose for today was self-sabotage. Something that I think probably most of us have had experience with at some point in our lives. Just that thing of wanting something, wanting some change, wanting something in our lives that we feel like 100% of us wants this. We deeply want this change. It's something we're longing for or something that we want to be different in our lives. And then we go about creating it and something happens where we feel like, why aren't I creating this? I feel like I'm doing things that are actually undermining my ability to accomplish this thing in my life. I know I had a lot of that, especially when I was young. I was thinking as I was um, earlier, I was like, oh, I'm gonna you know, talk with you all. And what kind of experience have I had with self-sabotage? And I was thinking back when I was younger, I had an enormous problem with procrastination. I felt like I couldn't get anything done. I was working, I remember working on my, my PhD and feeling like this is never gonna get done because every time I go to complete classes or complete my dissertation, I find myself reading a magazine article or going out for a walk or saying yes to my friend who calls me and says, hey, you wanna go and do this? Oh, absolutely, I'm there because I wanted to do anything except that dissertation, and I mean anything. And so there was something in me that started making all these rules. Okay, no more plans on the weekend. Okay, no more magazines. Okay, no more this, no more that, all in order to try to get myself to complete this thing that I really, really wanted and had spent all these years studying for and um, felt like all of me wanted. And I started getting really angry at myself, making rules that I couldn't keep and uh, developed, a, you know, this wasn't new, but a huge inner critic that would criticize all these different things that I was doing. And I became kind of like a, a tyrant in relation to a little kid who just wanted to go out and play and have fun. Um, and, in, and was an apparent who was being overly strict and saying, no, you can't do any of these things because you're not getting your work done. So it was kind of getting worse and worse where um, I, got, I got to a point where I was like, I really don't think I'm gonna be able to complete this thing. At some point, and this actually wasn't during that time, later, 
I found inner relationship focusing. And one of the things that I love about inner relationship focusing is it says, all of those are me. The me that wants to complete a PhD is, is me. And the me that would rather go out with my friends and read a magazine and you know, talk on the phone and have a great meal, those are all also me. And if I can form relationship with each of those ways of being, then maybe I can come to some inner, greater inner peace with how to accomplish what I want to in my life. So for me, it really was like that recognition that the relationship I was entering into, one of like a stern parent who was taking away all the goodies and saying, you have to do the work and then you can have the goodies and recognizing actually I needed to have some of the goodies now along with, um, along with getting some work done. And I needed to have permission in, to, to do both of those things. Once I got into somatics, and inner relationship focusing, I learned something more, something really important. And that was to stop trying to figure it out. To stop using my, my smart brain and all my thinking to try to figure out my problem. Because the more I used my brain to try to figure out my problem, the more I used the same strategies over and over again and got the same result. That is such a cute dog, Ellie. I can't stop looking at it. <laughs> what a cutie. It's like a resource. I'm like, oh my God, this cute dog. So the more I, it was kind of like, stop using this, which really wants to offer itself over and over again of like, I have the answers. I can help you figure this out. And in somatics, we say, okay, this is wonderful, let's put it aside. It has not actually been able to help in resolving this and to go to something different. And the something different is, is my body, is your body, is really tuning in to, you know, when I think about or imagine writing that dissertation, what do I notice in my body? Oh, you know, even now I can remember what I felt. <laughs> I can remember feeling that clenching, the kind of a little bit nauseous, the anxious, that it was not a fun activity. It made me nervous. It made me anxious. And then when I thought about going out with a friend for uh, a nice meal or a nice walk or to go to the park, I felt ease. I felt relaxed. I felt more of how I wanted to feel in my body. It was only through the recognition that I had to work with my embodied states. And instead of doing what I was doing, which was telling my body or telling my whole being what to do, I needed to do the opposite. I needed to start listening. Start listening to what my body has to say. Because I had to start to recognize that it wasn't my brain that was in charge. In fact, my body was in charge, which I did not like to know at all. I wanted to feel like I really could make these rules. I really could tell my body mind being what to do and it would just execute on the orders. You will work on your dissertation from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Then you may go out for a walk. 
And my body, my being was like, yeah, screw that. I'm going to go out for the walk for, you know, 10 hours and not come back until I have no energy left for that dissertation. And I can see a lot of smiles. I'm betting a lot of people have their own procrastinations, right? Of like, or their own ways of doing this. And it's needing to kind of reverse the whole process to slow it down. And I'm going to give you a, a few steps just to, as a way of thinking about this um, and how you might approach some of the things in your life that you have where you have found yourself with a difficulty that you have tried to figure out, that you've given yourself five ultimatums, made 14 different plans of how to, how to do this differently, of this thing that you wanna accomplish in your life and how you might approach this a little bit differently using inner relationship focusing. So the first thing is stop trying to figure it out. Thank your brain very much for being the smart thing that it is that so um, endlessly offers itself. When we have a difficulty, our brains offer themselves immediately. I know what to do. I know how to figure this out. Let me tell you, let me help, let me make a plan with you. Except they're not really, it's kind of like going to the wrong part of you for the answer. So if you put aside, or at least thank your brain for thank you so much, I'm sure I'll come to you at some point in this process, but not right now. You're not first. We're going to go someplace else. The second is to clear out any assumptions. You might assume that you know why you're doing what you're doing. Or you might assume that you know the answer. I know how to make this different. I was very sure that the plan for writing a dissertation was to think about it, create an outline, write from the outline, and you know, just progressively make your way through your dissertation. I was sure that that was the way to do it. In fact, it was not the way I did it because I finally stopped trying to do it the way my brain was very smartly and very orderly fashion telling me how to do it. Once I put aside those assumptions and said, okay, I give up, I don't know how to do this. Now I could start to change my approach. And the first thing, the next thing to do is to start to move towards your body. To really start to move towards your body as something or aspect of you that you need to partner with. This is your partner. Your body that you live in every day, every moment is not your enemy, wasn't my enemy, even though I often thought it was, it was my partner. And when I could turn towards my body and listen, listen to my sensations, listen with a different kind of ear, really feel into my body. What's feeling, and not in a simple way, because I had, because I was really anxious about this dissertation, I felt all the time just anxious. And sometimes I would stop right there and say, well, I know how I feel, I feel anxious. We need to look a little deeper and to say, okay, you know, where do I feel that anxiousness in my body? What does it feel like? 
And kind of like Camille did in the beginning of like, and what's feeling differently than that? Is there something in my body that's feeling good or relaxed or at least okay, maybe neutral? Is there some experience I'm having outside of my body that might be um, supportive to me? One thing that I teach in my SE and my IRF is like, we've been taught so much about support and almost to view support as entirely interpersonal. It's about other people. But support is actually a lot more complex than that. Support is physical support of my body. Support is the chair that I'm sitting against and how supportive it feels. It's what it feels like to make contact with the ground and really feel that relationship between my foot and the ground. It's recognizing that support is actually hundreds of layers of things and that having one layer of support would probably feel pretty thin. Whereas if I choose the clothing that feels really comfy to my body, if I choose an environment where I have like objects and windows and things that I enjoy looking at, if I have sounds in my environment that I enjoy, if I'm using my senses to create an environment that feels good to me, that is layer upon layer upon layer of support. Most of us need lots of layers of support. Layers that we have a lot of control over, like um, choosing my chair or feeling the ground. Layers that we don't have as much support over. Do I have access to a loving human being in this moment or in the next moment or in the last moment? So really getting that how we build support for our body-mind being is an incredibly important aspect of our ability to create what we want in our lives. We need space inside in order to create what we're wanting. And many, if not most of us, try to create change from a place of not having adequate support. And often we think of support as this one thing, interpersonal support. We forget that there's so much that we already do or can do to support our body, mind, being. And that once our body, once our entirety feels more supported, we feel more spacious. And when we feel more spacious, the possibility of change is much greater. Like if I'm moving towards my dissertation and I'm feeling completely unsupported and scared, that's not a great place to start to do something from. Whereas if I create all these layers of physical support for my body, my being, I have a beautiful cup of coffee and a nice breakfast and I create a little space for myself and I get all the nice things going on. Um, maybe I have breakfast with a friend and then I sit down to that dissertation. I'm in such a more supported place to create change. And so we need to really um, pay attention to what allows our body mind being to feel supported. The other thing was what I thought my brain, what my brain thought my body felt supported by was actually pretty different 
from what actually supported my body. I had all kinds of ideas about, um, I think from growing up, like I just thought of like all of these, you know, like, oh, what feels supported, what feels supportive is. And it turned out it was so much simpler for me. I didn't need, you know, all this pampering, but I did need to feel just basically physically supported. Like for me, it was simple things like don't wear clothes that you can feel. Like if you can feel them in any way, except positively, that's not the right clothes to wear for something that you're wanting to accomplish. Wear soft clothes. Um, have the temperature in the room be a good one for you. You know, if you need a fan or if you need heat, find it, you know, like be physically comfortable and really notice. Like when in a relationship focusing, we say sense freshly. And that means in any given moment, check in with your body, not how it felt five minutes ago or three hours ago or how you expected your body to feel. How does it actually feel right now? Check in. If you immediately encounter something that encounter something that's uncomfortable, take a moment to sense for what might be more comfortable. And so extra attention to bringing a little bit more space to your body, even when what you're feeling is uncomfortable. I know I've had lots of chance for that yesterday and today, given the air quality that a lot of us are experiencing. I keep getting hoarse or going out with my dogs for like five minutes at a time and feeling like, wow, you know, this is uncomfortable and coming inside and needing to find more comfort for my body of what's feeling okay. Let me take some time. Let me drink some water. Let me do some things to make my body more comfortable before going on to the next thing. So I know I'm spending a lot of time with this, but just really getting layers and layers of support. Once you've gotten into your body, really noticing, like I'm spending a lot of time with the relationship of your senses to your sensations. You know, what you see, how does that feel inside your body? What you hear, how does that feel inside your body? Senses are something that we can use to have an impact on our sensations. When we're feeling anxious, I know when I'm feeling anxious, if I go and smell something like lemon, that can make a big difference in my body. That there are certain uses of the senses that really impact sensation. And so knowing that relationship is really important. And then I want you to sense freshly. Maybe you're you know, thinking about this thing that you've had trouble accomplishing, sense freshly. What do you feel in your body as you think about that? Can you take a moment just to acknowledge it? Maybe describe it. If it's something that feels unpleasant or challenging, is there something as well that feels differently in your body? And so you start to, to take that in. The next is kind of an assumption. Something in you doesn't want to do this. Something in you does, and something in you doesn't want to do it. 
there's also an assumption that I forgot to mention. And that's that this thing that you're wanting to accomplish has to be something that you have the power to accomplish. It can't be something that someone else has the power to accomplish for you or to grant to you. It has to be something that like me was uh, like, write your dissertation. That was something I had the power to accomplish, uh, but I was not doing it. So if this thing that you're wanting is something that you have the power to accomplish, assume that there's something in you that doesn't want to do it. There's, and that you want, hopefully, to get to know that, to get to know the something in you that's like, I don't want to do that. And so for me, it was like, there's usually three different possibilities around this. One is that there's something protecting you. Like for me, it was something that was protecting my fun time, my free time and saying, I don't want to write that dissertation. I want to protect my time to have fun. Another thing that can get in the way is something in us that rebels against what we're wanting. I don't want to do that. That feels like, like a constriction or restriction. I don't want that. And the third common thing that gets in the way is wanting something else. So for me, I had the first two, especially something protecting my free time and something wanting something else, something wanting fun and um, seeing other people and free time and relaxation and didn't want all the work of the dissertation. So if we assume there's something in you that wants something else, there's something in you that doesn't want this thing now instead of dictating to it, we want to listen to it. And we want to listen to it specifically in the body, like you're having a conversation with those sensations in your body. Only the conversation is you listening instead of talking. The conversation is maybe reflecting back, ah, I'm sensing that you're feeling anxious. I'm wondering if you're worried about something. And so we start to have a conversation that's based on listening to our bodily felt experiences and listening with curiosity, with interest and compassion, noticing whenever judgments come up. And when judgments come up, or something more uh, of a critic or something evaluating, we might sort of pause and say, ah, I'm hearing this criticism. And I'm wondering what it's worried about or what it's afraid of. To really get that when judgments and criticisms come up, that's not a problem. It's just another reason to be curious and interested. It's a reason to pause, to slow down, and to listen to what it is that's emerging, like this is just another part of you. In inner relationship focusing, we assume that you have multiple parts that get involved in things that we want to do, 
and that see things just from their point of view. Like the part of me that wanted to write a dissertation had very little access or relationship to the part of me that wanted to, was done with my classes finally and wanted to just enjoy my life for a while. They didn't have a relationship at all. It was like they didn't know each other. They lived in the same body. They lived in my body, no relationship. And when they did come in contact, didn't like each other, right? They're like, yeah, no, I have no, I have no respect for you. And so the need to really have a, a me, a self, that could be with each of them, with interest, with curiosity, with compassion, without judgment, was essential. And as I could have an interested relationship in what each of them wanted, what each of them had to say, a listening relationship, I could also support a better relationship between them. I, as self, could be uh, someone who kind of listened to both and was and could say, you know, I totally get that I've been doing this in the reverse order. I need to do something fun or at least social or something that feeds me in some way. Read a magazine article, you know, go, call a friend before I can work on the dissertation. I've been trying to reward myself after working on the dissertation, I actually need to reverse it and do something that makes me feel relaxed and at ease before I can turn to the dissertation. And that's how I finally got the thing done, was I was listening and getting, I couldn't do it the way I thought I should do it. And it wasn't gonna look like this formal approach that I expected to take. It was gonna be almost like do some free writing and then start moving into this chapter or that chapter. So being with the something in you that doesn't want it and putting aside judgment, listening to the parts of you that have judgment in the same way. I'm really curious. I'm interested in that judgment. What are you worried about? What are you afraid is gonna happen? And having a listening relationship with the judging parts as well. They get to be there we just don't want them, you know, driving the bus. We want them, we want to listen to them. So listening is the step after putting judgments aside. And finally, being open to transformation. And a lot of that means being open to accomplishing things in ways you didn't expect to. Like if I waited to finally write my dissertation after I had written an outline and formally written each chapter, I don't think I would have gotten it done. A lot of my dissertation emerged out of free writing. You know, free writing that wound up, oh, this is going to be great in this chapter. You know what? I can put this section here. And I had to be open to the way my body, mind, being wanted to accomplish this task. So I've outlined a bunch of steps, but I've also talked a lot. So I'll just go through the steps themselves, just so you can hear them. You know that you're first going to stop trying to think your way through it. Think about the ways you've been trying to figure it out. We are all famous for figuring out. That's the cortex, right? Likes to figure stuff out. 
And secondly, you're going to clear out your assumptions of how you think it should be accomplished. Start fresh. Sense freshly. Get into your body. Do that sensing in your body, which is a different kind of conversation than most of us are used to. We're used to conversations with our cortex that talks right back to us. Like we, we say, I got this problem. And the cortex says, I have some solutions. And it's a lot of verbal stuff, right? Where the sensing into the body is often not so verbal. And many people are kind of um, put off by the, what I'm encountering is more like a sensation. Like it's like tightness. Well, what does that mean? And then I think that it's, it's hard for someone to kind of just stay with that and just say what you're finding. I'm sensing tightness. It's in my chest. It's kind of uncomfortable. It makes it a little hard to breathe, like, like kind of staying with it. And you're just reflecting. You're just describing. Getting that that relationship your body might at some point be like thanks for listening you've been kind of MIA you haven't been listening and it might give you a little more you might go from huh my body is so tight it's even hard to breathe there might be a realization of wow that's a hard place to write from I wonder what my body needs in order to feel more supported. I wonder what might help my body to feel a level of support where it could actually let go even one degree of this tension. Oh, wait a minute. My legs are actually feeling pretty relaxed. I didn't realize that. My butt in the chair, my feet on the ground, they're actually feeling okay. And as I put my awareness there, something in me settles a little bit. I feel a little more space in my belly. So through the listening and the relating to our body, we might hopefully stop the forcing. Doesn't matter if I'm feeling tension in my chest, I gotta get going. We might start to let go of some of that of like, actually, I'm not in a state to do what I hope to do. What sort of support does my body need? So support. Support for my body, mind, being. Then going to this assumption, something in me doesn't want this, doesn't want to do this, doesn't want to have this. It's something, it doesn't have to be either of those. It might be something else, but there's something in me that doesn't want to do this. And really listening. Something in me doesn't want to do this. That's just part of you. It's not all of you. And I'm listening for that. For me, it was pretty quick because it was also pretty obvious that I kept accepting all those invitations to do other things. I wanted freedom. I wanted spaciousness. I had been in a long program of study and I was feeling kind of like, I wanna get out there and I don't have any classes right now, finally. And I wanted some freedom. So sometimes it's just about getting in touch with there's something else you want too. And it's going to need some of the space as well. 
So putting aside judgments of what emerges, listening with interest, with curiosity and compassion, and finally being open to transformation and to new and different ways of approaching what it is you're wanting to accomplish in your life. For most of us, certainly for me, it required that I listen to my other needs, that it was not okay, that my cortex was coming up with solutions that were like 90% of my efforts are going to be about um, finishing my dissertation and 10% of my other time can be for other things. That was just not okay. I needed way more time for my other needs. And that ultimately, I truly believe that that allowed me to accomplish a dissertation faster than if I had put 90% of my attention into the dissertation, which would have been a slog. It was like, oh, by being more freed up, I could be more creative. I could listen to what my body mind being was suggesting about how I was gonna accomplish this. And I could try, try doing it differently than how I had been taught to approach it and how I expected to approach it. So this is the inner relationship focusing is about recognizing that we have parts, parts of us that want something that we are fully um, on board with and parts of us that want things that we're not so on board with and that they're both us. They both need and all need our attention, need non-judgmental, interested, curious attention need a listening relationship and one that's based in the body. Inner relationship focusing helps us to strengthen our relationship to self, that way of being with whatever emerges within you, with interest, with curiosity, with compassion, in a non-judgmental relationship. And so it helps you strengthen relationship to self and helps you to start to have a relationship and how to have a relationship with those parts, with those partial self-states. And that is the basis, the foundation of inner relationship focusing. It has made a huge difference in my life. I teach it. Um, I teach it usually two to three times a year. And I'm, I like sharing, of course, with all of you so that you know about this model that not enough people know about. It was created by um, Anne Weiser Cornell and Barbara McGavin, who were, um, Anne Weiser Cornell was a, a student and a teacher of Eugene Gemlin. Gemlin worked and uh, Gemlin also was a, a huge influence on Peter Levine, the creator of somatic experiencing. So Gemlin was actually the basis of a lot of the experiential methods that we know today. Um, and Jenlin was working in the 50s and 60s and was one of his first teachers who um, taught focusing. And she took focusing and she said, you know, I think I can make this even better. And, um, and the co-creator, Barbara McGavin, Anne had a lot of challenges with alcohol. And Barbara, her co-creator, had problems with depression. They loved focusing, but they felt you know what, these problems aren't really shifting. They started moving into a relationship to self that could be with parts. For Anne, it was the part of me that wants to drink and the part of me that doesn't want to drink. 
part of me that wants to stop drinking, the part of me that um, doesn't want to stop. And for Barbara, the part of, parts of her that were depressed, the parts of her that wanted to feel differently. And they created interrelationship focusing in order to be very specifically with those parts and to start listening and to start supporting, to forming a relationship. And each of them found that progressively they got better. For Anne, probably faster, the letting go of alcohol. For Barbara, a bit slower, but having an enormous shift in her relationship to depression. What I have found is that when you develop a non-judgmental relationship to all of the parts of yourself, you just feel freer. You feel freer inside of you. I also view my relationships differently. Like, you know, I, I, I've been married for 23 years. Until I really knew about parts, when my husband would do certain things, I would feel like he, he's like this. Now I can be like, something in him is like this. And it feels so much less threatening and I feel like, okay, sometimes he does this, sometimes he does something else. It doesn't feel like a, you know, life or death situation anymore. It's so different. It's such a forgiving model. And I think it's so helpful in helping us live our lives more peacefully within ourselves and with each other. So, so glad tell you about this model. And um, we are going to start to turn towards if there's anyone that would like has something, a, a topic that you might want to work with uh, to do a demo with me, maybe like a 20, 20, 25 minute demo of working with something that you want or have been spending time with and might want to sit with me and just talk about it. I will do a lot of inviting of you to sense into your body, to notice how this lives in your body. We'll notice if there are inner critics or judgments and invite them to just let us know what they're afraid of. Um, and so if you have an interest in sitting with me for 20 minutes or so, just send Camille a private message and Camille's gonna choose someone for me to work with. And in, oh, uh, I think you were going to say, I was just going to say, if you could provide just one sentence about what you would like to work with, that would be great. That would be great. And while we wait for that, if there's anybody that has any initial question, I might answer a question or two while we wait for those demo requests to come in. So feel free to raise your hand um, or put something in the chat if there's a question that you would like to ask me about interrelationship focusing. I've been teaching, um, yeah, did I see Victoria, did you raise your hand or was that, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't see that, that's fine. Um, so I've been teaching interrelationship focusing and somatic experiencing for uh, seven, eight years now. And they, they fit together very beautifully. I like teaching both of them because I feel that each of them has been strengthened by the other. Peter Levine's work is very focused on the nervous system and how the nervous system is impacted by stress 
and trauma, where inner relationship focusing is deeply concerned with relationship, our relationship to our states. When you put them together, you get this combination of attending to ways that the nervous system has gotten kind of freaked out by what happens inside and the use of relationship as an essential way of being, a very healing way of being with our internal states. That a lot of our internal states deeply need to be seen and not judged. They've been suffering from feeling bad, wrong, when I show up, I'm just gonna be criticized, et cetera. Relationship allows us to really do that differently, to listen, to be curious, to be interested, and not to come at something with judgment or dictates of how it should, you're doing it wrong, you should be doing it this way. And instead we can start approaching it by listening of what's, what's happening for you. And that realization that I think is so essential and probably the one thing I hope you take with you from this is how much more support most of us need than we realize and how that support looks and feels different than we expect it to. We don't realize how much physical support means to our body, mind, being. It means a lot and can be the difference between feeling like we're powering through something or moving towards something with much greater ease. All right, Maureen, we have a volunteer. Uh, Victoria, I'm just gonna check back in. Are you still open to doing the demo? All right, you can go ahead and come off mute and I will spotlight the two of you. Great, thank you. Hi, Victoria. Hey, Maureen. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so good to see you. You too. I haven't seen you in a long time. It's lovely. Yeah. And thank you for volunteering. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So first, I'll just check in with you of how are you feeling now that you're here? Now that yeah. you're right here in front of the group, and I know that that can, you know, have a response in your body. And so I yeah. I'm going to check in with you about that, of anything you're noticing. Yeah, so the left side, I feel like I have two hearts almost. The left side of my chest is moving quicker than the right side of my chest. Yeah. Um, it's an excited nervousness, but still nervousness. So there's both the like, <gasps> and the, <gasps> yeah, cool. beautiful. So you can really sense that the, the, and is this, is the bigger, the excitement and the smaller. Yeah. Okay. So the more contracted place, anxious, and then excited and anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, with this, it's so funny. And I love that. Like anxious with space, anxious plus space equals excited, you know, like mm. a lot of times if anxiety can just have more space, it actually is like, wait a minute. There's something excited in there too. Yeah. And so it almost feels like a roller coaster. Like when you're going up on the roller coaster and it's like. <gasps> yes. Yeah. So great. I, I love that too. Because I'm, I'm a person who tends to work toward anxiety. And so just getting that, oh, with more space, 
there's so much more possibility. There's excitement. There can be creativity. There can be like ideas tumbling one upon another, but that you need that space. Yeah, just you saying that um, I'm starting to have some digestion. So there's some burping starting to happen. And yeah, so you get some of that. You need you need space. You need ease for that to as well. Yeah. Is there any place in your body that's feeling good, like relaxed or calm or alive? So generally I'm feeling really good. And then the place that's probably my shoulders and arms are feeling solid and supported. Great. So just noticing that, taking a moment to notice shoulders and arms. Feeling good, supported. Yeah, and then I noticed just a little uh, awareness, I would say, toward unpleasant on my in my jaw on the left side. Uh-huh. Kind of popped up there. Yeah, and maybe just acknowledging it, like, you know, I feel that. Um, yeah, but that and, and is there a word or two to describe what it feels like there on the left side of your jaw? Tension, it's like a little small hard beam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tension and like a little hard beam. Yeah, and if you bring in the right side of your jaw. Just putting some awareness there on your right side and maybe letting me know what you notice in the right side of your jaw. Like just describe a word or two. Yeah, more space and very neutral, kind of just hanging out there. Beautiful. Noticing that and maybe putting some awareness there in, in the right side of like, huh, you have more space, right side, more neutral, more okay. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. I just made a connection between the jaw and the and the left part of my chest. That both ah. of those were more um, constricted. Yep. Um, there's more space on my right side. Yes, and with your in your chest, you were aware of both sides at the same time, right from the start. Yeah. And yeah. so, and then when the tightness showed up in your jaw, it was like, wait a minute, let's go over to the right side and see how it's doing. And it's more yeah. spacious, just yeah. like the chest. And so just holding that of like, okay, a lot of times when we have like half of something, checking in with the other side can like, is, is part of the support that the right side of your jaw might actually be a support to the left, even without trying, just by noticing right side's okay. What's that like for the left? Yeah, I'm feeling more opening happening now in the left. Um, I mean, say that and it's like, I'm not gone. That's right. It's going to let you know. That doesn't mean I'm gone. Right. And let, just let it know. I hear that. I hear mm. that. I'm not gone. You don't need to be gone. 
Yeah, it seems to be like a connection is happening now a little bit more between both sides of the jaw, where now it's sort of connecting in this center place here. And I'm feeling it kind of move out to the ears. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. And now that we've just, we're just sort of noticing, you know, how things are in your body and, and ways you might support I'm just going to invite you to let me know if there was something that you wanted to work with today. Yeah, so I um, have been, I can't say I've been working on it. I've been trying to do a camp for girls. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a camp for BIPOC girls around and in incorporating somatics, incorporating energy healing through, uh, through the arts. So through dance, through acting, through music. And I've been working on it for two years uh -huh. and I have very little to show for it. I've done a thousand other projects though. Mm -hmm. And not that one, but that was the original sort of dream that I had about. Yeah. Yeah. So something in you deeply wants to do this. This yeah. yeah. And yeah, it gets the smile, maybe feel in your body of as you get in touch with this wanting to do this camp. What do you notice inside? I notice a, it's almost like a, a trembling, but like a, yeah, more digestion is happening but like a, uh, like a trembling, but a good trembling, like a, there's this gif of this little girl and she gets excited and she goes, <laughs> just, like really it, yeah, just overwhelmed excitement. Uh, yeah. Good to know too. It's like almost too much, almost like overwhelming. Yeah. So, so excited. Yeah. And maybe just let her know that you really get that, that she's so excited. Mm. Yeah, I'm just having like a, an un, like I don't think I ever really thought of myself as someone who would get overly excited about things. Yeah. But I, but I, yeah. Oftentimes the things that I'm overly excited about, I don't, I'm like, I do that too. I'm noticing Yeah, that. I'm just kind of, yeah, recognizing that. Yeah. And that you might've been looking for you, like all of you in here, it's something in you. This young girl who's so excited, it's almost like too much. Yeah. And then the thought comes of like, oh, sometimes when you're, too excited about things it's actually hard to do them and maybe take this moment just to sense in whether that this um doesn't want to do the camp or feels afraid or worried about something yeah there's the word that's coming up is freaking out you know freaking yeah. out yeah um fear that uh just fear that i don't know what what i'm doing yeah 
And so how do you feel that fear inside your body? Did you notice I it? did I didn't notice my shoulders start to cave in a little. Uh, I'm just gonna sit with it because at first I was like, drop your shoulders. I'm just gonna Yeah, just be with them. My hands are kind of pressed together. Yeah. Yeah, it all feels very, uh, oh no. I don't know another way to describe it just yet, but the first thing that came to me was, oh no. Yeah, you're hearing it say, oh no. Yeah. Maybe let it know you hear it. It's scared. Hmm. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect. I know that it's not going to be perfect. I have a really difficult time with that. And I'm feeling uh, that's bringing something like tears, but not to my face. Like I feel like it's inside. Yeah. yeah. And so you're really aware that Something in you wants it to be perfect, needs it to be perfect. And something in you knows it won't be. And there's a feeling of crying inside. Maybe just yeah. that's like it in your body there. Yeah, I'm really self-conscious right now, even just with myself, not even with you, but with myself going. Well, the brain is doing all the things. Maybe just welcoming that self-consciousness, like it's a part two. Something yeah. is feeling really self-conscious about this. And it's like almost like popping out. feeling some heaviness in my chest and in my throat, like the lower half, like from here to here. It's almost like a, it's doing this. Yeah. Just notice. And my father's face came up. Uh-huh. So just noticing yeah. the heaviness in your throat and chest, almost like you're letting it know, I feel you, something in you. Something there in your, your throat and your chest feels heavy. And it's showing you your father's face. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just taking a moment with that feeling, the heaviness. Yeah, not being perfect is really hard. It's really hard to not be perfect. And that's and I noticed that I smiled when I said it. And I couldn't stop myself from smiling when I said it. Yeah. And you're noticing that whole thing. Like something in you is just not finds it so hard to not be perfect. So much. Yeah. 
<sighs> yeah. And just taking a moment, something in you finds it so hard, it needs to smile your way through it. And now uh -huh. letting the, the feelings of it come. Both are here. The not wanting it to show and the letting it show. Both here. Maybe seeing what kind of company that part of you, that's something in you that feels badly about not being perfect. There's some kind of company or attention it needs from you. What would it be like to sit with that? Interesting to think about it and sort of uh, that a part, no? There's a part of me that is having a really difficult time with not being perfect, but then there must be then a part of me that is not concerned about it if it's just a part there might be i bet there is and there's something in you that really struggles with being perfect a moment ago was just feeling upset about that yeah but it doesn't feel like all of me where before I would have called myself a perfectionist. Like I think about it now and go, I'm a perfectionist and that doesn't feel true. Yeah. Noticing that, that there is something in you that's a perfectionist and something in you that's not something in you that's something else. Mm. More than that, different than that. And the, uh, so fun. And the, the next thing that came up, but if we're not perfectionists, then how do we make sure everything is right? <laughs> and you might let it know you hear it. It's worried about something. Yeah. And maybe let it know you really get that. I hear you, you're worried. And you might even sense into what that part of you doesn't want to happen like like if you if you're not perfect what it's worried about if you don't get it just right what it's worried about hmm. two things that sort of came to me that first word was empty and the second word was decimation it's not a word I use really um that something about it has to do with existence and that feels true because it's bringing up here it has to do with existence like my actual presence 
Yeah. It has to do with existence, your presence. No wonder it's so scary. Yeah. It feels like you need to get it just right. Maybe let it know you get that. That's how much this means. Hmm. It's a lot of inner child energy, a lot of little Victoria energy. Yeah. And just yeah. Watch, yeah, just welcoming that and letting it know you really get that. That this feels like a you project. And now you're able to really sense that that perfectionist is only something in you. Important mm -hmm. something. But it's not all of you. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, because I'm definitely not a perfectionist in my parenting. <laughs> and so maybe take a moment to really sense that you are not a perfect parent. <laughs> And with a smile, I'm going to guess that that's okay. It's totally okay. <laughs> You're no worse a parent for being an imperfect parent. You're a human parent. Yeah. And, and how much, like, maybe just sense into that, this imperfect parent. Mm. Your body. Yeah, that... Uh... Yeah, that feels really good. That feels really um, it's an expansiveness that I feel happening, but my body just wants to like melt. Yeah, just melt, expansive and melty. It's so real. Mm. Good. And yeah, that relationship with your kid or kids of like yeah imperfect but great yeah it is really great yeah it's better mm. better than perfect yeah Yeah. Yeah. So just taking a moment to really sense what's there. What's there now? Because you've gotten in touch with this beautiful example of imperfect being even better than perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's sort of like the question and simultaneously simultaneously the answer like is that possible <laughs> that <laughs> that imperfection is better right how could that be so yeah. it doesn't even make sense and then the answer is like yeah but it is so i have an example right here right. yeah <laughs> right of, of something you can uh feel into anytime you want or need the part of you yeah. that gets 
exactly how imperfect is better in your body than perfect. It's so uh, liberating. It's so much more uh, open and free. Yeah. Really, really taking that no, in. No, Callahan. So much more space. Yeah. We just have another couple of moments, but I wanted you to just check in with that young you that felt that the perfection was so important. And let's just mm. what she's doing right now, hearing all of this. Just like in contemplation, like there's like a it's like a really. Yeah, you know, it's just a little bit. Yeah, something's being reorganized or yeah. renegotiated, or you never thought of that. No, that's never been among the things that she thought of. It's new and different. She might need some time and support to be in that. Really, I don't. I don't know. Really? <laughs> yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. yeah, right. Of like, what does it look like if if yeah. the girls' camp is Im, is imperfect and even better for it? Oh man, oh, I just got it. <laughs> oh man, I just totally got it. Though, so. yeah, take a moment with it and then tell us about it. This piece being integrated is the only way that the camp could have even happened. Because this is the piece that I didn't get as a kid. Right. And if I brought perfection to that camp, I'd be doing the exact same thing to them. So even just energetically, even just in a. That the energy that that would wasn't quite right. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's the. The human that has parented imperfect knows the beauty and joy, wonderfulness of that, that can have it come at this from a different energy. Yeah. That's one of the points of the program is to demonstrate that all of who they are is totally amazing and, um, and amazing wonderful right and perfect and all the messiness and the craziness and the that they don't need to be perfect and you want them to really get exactly exactly what you didn't get all of that welcome and that's what you want to extend to them and the you that wants it to be perfect is not quite right to create that it's not
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, just taking a last moment just to, we're going to be wrapping up, but just to thank all that's come. Okay. Really feel that in your body. Hmm. Now the excitement is manageable. Beautiful. But now the excitement is just right for the size of your body, the experience of your body. It fits. Yeah. It fits. It fits. Yep. Yeah. Mm. yeah, thank you for working with me. Thank you, man. That was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you you. All the best of luck with <laughs> Thank, thank you, Victoria. Thank you. That was a beautiful witness. Thank you so much um, for being generous with us, Victoria. And everyone, please feel free to put up some emojis to uh, thank Victoria for being so generous with her nervous system. Um, and so what we're going to do with our uh, last 13 minutes or so is um, do a bit of Q&A. So if you do have any questions for Maureen about the demo she just uh, shared with us or about IRF, um, please raise your hand and I'll invite you off mute. Um, and while we are calling questions together, um, I just wanted to, to mention that Maureen has generously offered a discount code for the HLN family. If you want to learn more about IRF, she has courses that really dive deep into this. Um, so we'll be sharing uh, that discount information and information about her courses on Circle um, later this evening or um, early tomorrow. But Maureen, I wasn't sure if there were a couple of words you wanted to say about the course for to folks. Yes, I actually just put in your chat um, community a link to the fall training. And so Camille will share with all of you a link to get to my fall trainings on inner relationship focusing, as well as a discount code for the HLN, um, people involved in HLN. And so each fall and each spring, I offer a series of classes. They Each class, there's three parts, and each part has six classes. You learn to do inner relationship focusing, so in each class, we have, um, we have a lecture, we have a demonstration, and then you practice. So you're learning bit by bit, both how to experience the technique of focusing and how to companion others, because interrelationship focusing is a partnership practice. You do it with a partner. For people who are in the helping and healing professions, you can also take an extra Q&A with me on how to bring this into your practice. And we build on each of those. A lot of people do focusing just as a partnership practice. It is an incredible self-care practice. It's my self-care practice. And then those of us who want to bring it into our professional work, it also dovetails beautifully with things like psychotherapy, coaching, um, body work. There's many people who um, use IRF both personally and professionally. I hope you'll join me for my classes. Evan, I wanted to check in with you. Do you have any questions in the chat? No, not right now. Okay. Uh, 
Well, again, I just wanted to extend uh, some gratitude to you for morning. Thank you so much for making yourself available to us again and for uh, one, sharing your, your expertise with us and doing a very generous demo, and also for extending the, the generous discount code. Um, so, with that, I want to just check in and see if there are any final thoughts from anyone you'd like to leave uh, the group with. So it's been my pleasure to spend this time with you and to tell you, like, it's been great to um, spend time with all of you and to talk about interrelationship focusing. And I want to wish you all well in the rest of your program with Luis. I know Luis's program is wonderful, transformational experience. It's been nice to spend this time with you. Thank you so much. And I invite all of you to come off mute and also a special gratitude to Maureen. So that's the end of today's episode. Notice where you feel the episode inside of your body. Those sensations, those expressions, that's how your body speaks to you. Sit with it, be with it, and let whatever wants to come up, come up. Because all the wisdom you're looking for is right there in those sensations. If you want to go deeper into these practices or find more information about my work, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.